This is a time set on a final hearing re relating to first day motions in the matter of ICAP Enterprises, Inc., case number 23-01243. On the line on behalf of the debtors, we have Julian Gruley. Good morning, Your Honor. Kayla Tarasi. Good morning, Your Honor. And Dakota Pierce. Good morning, Your Honor. Jake Kornfeld on behalf of the Creditors Committee. Good morning, Your Honor. Vadim Rubinstein on behalf of Serene Investment Management. As well as Michael Steinberg, also on behalf of Serene Investment. Good morning, Your Honor. Assistant U.S. Trustee Gary Dyer. Good morning, Your Honor. Darren Cratley on behalf of Redmond Funding Group, LLC. Morning, Your Honor. Matthew Lesnick on behalf of Chris Christensen. Good morning, Your Honor. And Lance Miller with Paladin Management Group. Good morning, Your Honor. Is there anyone else on this line that I did not identify? Uh, good morning, Your Honor. This is Vidim Rubenstein. I was on mute uh, when we were introduced. Um, I also have Jay Kraft of Battery Alexander, uh, Serene's consultant on the line with us. Thank you. This call, this hearing is being recorded. Please proceed. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're all doing well and had a nice weekend and remembered to uh, set your clocks back to the extent they didn't reset themselves. Um, so we're here today for the final hearing on uh, three of the debtors' first day motions that were granted on an interim basis um, and are, we're set for final hearing today. I've reviewed uh, the two objections, one filed by Redmond and one filed by um, Wilmington Savings Fund by Mr. Baker, um, as well as the generalized response filed by the uh, Unsecured Creditors Committee, um, the status conference report filed by the debtors on Friday afternoon, as well as uh, the proposed forms of final order. Um, I think it makes sense to just uh, quickly these in order. Um, why don't we take the tax motion first? Um, I didn't see anything in the creditors committee's response relating to this motion or um, any other objection or um, anything indicating that anyone had a problem with it. Um, why don't I ask uh, Mr. Trazi if you have any anything you'd like to comment on this morning about uh, the granting of the tax motion on the final basis. Thank you, Your Honor. Callan Tarazi of Buckalter, for the record, on behalf of the debtors. Um, and no, nothing to add uh, to all of the, you know, the filings and the updated status report. So unless Your Honor has any questions, we would just ask that uh, you would approve the taxes motion on a final basis with the proposed form of order filed on Friday. Okay. Uh, thank you, Mr. Tarazi. Would uh, anyone else on the phone like to be heard regarding the uh, debtors' tax motion and the granting of that relief on a final basis? All right, uh, hearing no objection, um, the court has reviewed the original motion, understands the uh, relief that's being sought, the relief is appropriate. Um, the court has reviewed the proposed form of final order, which uh, looks good, no comments or edits, so uh, that motion will be granted, and please feel free to upload uh, that order and we will get it entered. All right, um, next is the debtor's request for final approval of the um, 
consulting agreement with Ms. Christensen. Um, again, the court has reviewed the motion, reviewed the proposed form of final order. I did see uh, the creditors committee has, um, I guess, some discomfort with the motion. Um, I don't think it's directly opposing it, but uh, Mr. Kornfeld, why don't I hear from you? Thank you, Your Honor, and thank Kornfeld for the proposed counsel for the committee. Uh, the statement was uh, was the committee's concern. Um, there is not a formal objection to the consulting agreement. I think more an encouragement as we walk through the case and we all understand better um, some of the facts and some of the history here just to make sure that uh, we encourage both the CRO, which we've done in conversations, um, and the court to, to hold Mr. Christensen to the letter of that agreement. Um, it, it's uh, something the committee has consulted with the CRO about and is deferring to his view that this is the right thing to do. Um, so no formal objection, just with that statement, if you will. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Perfold. Um Mr. Truck? Thank you, Mr. Mr. Gruley will be taking this one. Okay. Uh, good morning, Mr. Gruley. Uh, please go ahead. Good. Good morning, Your Honor. For the record, Julian Gruley, uh, Buckhalter, counsel for the debtors. Your Honor, um, uh, I know Mr. Kornfeld's comment, the obvious clues for the debtors have been consulting with the committee since its appointment and retention of advisors about a lot of these issues, and I'll talk about the gift in a bit, um, but including the consulting agreement, um, the debtor's intention is to, to hold uh, Mr. Christensen to the to the terms of that agreement. Um, I think that, that goes without saying. In Mr. Miller's view, as established by his declaration in support of the underlying motion, his determination is that the consulting agreement is necessary it's in the best interest of the estate to maximize the value of these estates, primarily the real property assets. Um, so the debtors would request that Your Honor um, approve it. Your Honor, I don't know if you had a chance, I'm sure you did, to see some language that we drafted addressing the interest in heirloom holdings, which I think strikes a good balance. Um, just to uh, refresh for Your Honor, Airlink is a non-debtor subsidiary. Um, it has some, some licenses that may or may not have value under the consulting agreement Mr. Miller is tasked with determining whether those interests in Airlink have value. Um, if they have de minimis or no value, uh, there's a mechanism to, uh, in the final order, to have Mr. Miller submit a declaration to that effect and a notice and a subsequent order authorizing that transfer. If Mr. Miller uh, determines alternatively that there is value in the interest in Airlink, uh, then only, only after a, an additional motion and a court order would the debtors be able to uh, dispose of those interests uh, in the airline. So that, that was only tweak younger to the order. Uh, I understand that the committee does not have an objection to that. We obviously also uh, drafted that language with Mr. Lesnick from Mr. Christensen. Thank you, Mr. Willie. And I did uh, see that paragraph, and I think that process um, makes sense and, and certainly seems appropriate. Um, Mr. Lesnick, uh, anything you'd like to comment on or address relating to this matter? 
Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, Matthew Lesnick for Chris Christensen. Just very briefly, Your Honor, um, I, I, I don't want to go too deeply into it other than to note that the proposed counsel for the committee was involved in, uh, in a, in a pre-petition in the negotiation of the consulting agreement, um, and that consulting agreement was part and parcel of a pre-petition stipulation with what was called the ad hoc note holders group. And so it, it was negotiated, it was agreed to pre-petition, and, and we think it's appropriate. Very good. Uh, thanks, Mr. Lissick. Would uh, anyone else in the phone like to be heard relating to the Christensen Consulting Agreement motion and approval of that motion on a final basis? Okay, well, the court will go ahead and um, grant the motion. As I said at the prior hearing, um, certainly it's good, and I, I understand um, the creditors' committee's view um, that uh, maybe as a moral matter and maybe as a legal matter, it would be good if Mr. Christensen were to fully cooperate and provide information on a voluntary basis. Um, but sometimes make distinctions between doing things the easy way and the hard way and uh, doing things the hard way sometimes can be difficult, particularly um, if uh, a, a former principal of a debtor doesn't want to cooperate. When I was in practice, we, my prior law firm represented the Chapter 11 trustee of a company called Girls Gone Wild that was owned by a man named Joe Francis, and Mr. Francis was uh, extremely difficult, and it created massive, massive administrative drain on the estate, having to fight with Mr. Francis to get information about girls gone wild. Um, so the law kind of, and the powers of the court and the law kind of run out at some point, and uh, both in practice and on the bench, I've seen cases where significant value has been lost um, as a result of uh, the prior principal not cooperating. Conversely, we've had cases like the Easter Day cases where the Easter Day family, despite not being paid, um, chose and were uh, very cooperative and open and did a lot of work. There was a declaration I received in that case in connection with the confirmation hearing about folks driving from Washington to, I think, Nebraska without overnight without getting paid to do it just to advance the good of the estate. And that um, certainly is laudable, and I... I said so in connection with that case, but it's not obligatory and it's nothing that the court can compel. So I think in this case, the consulting agreement strikes an appropriate balance um, in terms of aligning Mr. Christensen's interest with those of the estate and um, ensuring that uh, he'll be cooperating and not be antagonistic. And, and obviously if things change um, in that respect, I'm, I have no doubt that uh, the CRO will uh, terminate the, consult, the uh, consulting agreement. But um, based upon the record before the court, and certainly in the absence of any uh, formal active objection to this motion, um, the release stops appropriate, and the court will uh, grant, the, grant the motion and uh, approve the request for release on a final basis. Um, I've reviewed uh, the proposed form of final order. Um, looks good. Uh, no comments, so please uh, feel free to upload that one, and you will also get it signed. All right, uh, so the final matter before the court is the debtor's uh, requested relief for uh, final approval of uh, the debt financing provided by Green. Um, I did review the two objections. Didn't hear Mr. Baker on the phone today, and the status report indicated that Wilmington's um, concerns have been resolved um, based upon the 
changes made to the final order and really the staging of any uh, finding relief for a further hearing. Um, the staff report did indicate uh, Redmond Funding Group is still objecting, and I will hear from Council um, momentarily. But uh, I guess before I do that, um, Mr. Ruin. Yes, thank you, Your Honor. I'll be brief. For the record, Julian Garuli, a buckhalter for the debtors. Uh, Your Honor, we did get, as you noted, two formal objections. We also, I would say, just for background, Your Honor, obviously we're in discussions with the creditors committee and the dip lender over the final form of order. Um, there were there are some comments, I think, uh, more clarifications and the like that we were happy to accommodate and we appreciate. Mr. Rubenstein and, and Serene also accommodating these from the committee. I would say the, the principal uh, comment from the committee, I, I don't think uh, we had anything that would rise to a level of even an informal objection, but were discussions with the committee uh, and reflected in the committee's response to the first day motion, I'm sure Your Honor saw, uh, around the pricing, candidly, of the of the dip financing, Your Honor. Um, we're aware of it. it is, uh, obviously, it's very expensive, dip financing, uh, as we described at the first day hearing and in connection with Mr. Miller's declaration in support of the dip financing. It is the only game in town. Um, and it's absolutely necessary to make sure that these estates are able to uh, have the liquidity necessary to pay administrative claims so that we can as quickly and as efficiently as possible get these cases to our planned um, resolution. Um, and, and the change, as Mr. Kornfeld noted in his response, um, that addressed uh, their point largely is uh, in Section 610 of this of the final dip order, which now provides a 14-day prior notice period before the debtors uh, tap the final dip amount. Um, so I, I'm sure you're on will hear more from Mr. Kornfeld um, at the appropriate moment on that. With respect to the formal objections, Your Honor, uh, my understanding is, I think Mr. Baker is on the line, but we do have confirmation that the revisions to the final dip order that were suggested by Wilmington and fully accepted by the debtors in the order uh, address their objections. So I think those are, are resolved. In terms of substance, Your Honor, um, we did reach out to Council for Redmond Funding after we saw the objection, um, just for, for the sake of absolute clarity on the record. The debtors are not uh, at this hearing or under this final order seeking to prime, um, prime Redmond Funding or any other creditor. We think that the revisions suggested by Wilmington apply um, and to the extent necessary, make that same clarification with respect to um, Redmond. Um, I don't, Your Honor, candidly really really know what they intend to prosecute in terms of an objection today. So perhaps the most efficient way uh, to proceed is for me to just reserve the ability to respond um, to Mr. Uh, Crowley. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Gouley. Um, Mr. Kornfeld. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, as, as Mr. Gruley stated um, and appreciated by the committee, we did have extensive conversations with, with counsel for the debtors and the CRO, uh, as well as Mr. Rubenstein, and appreciated those conversations and discussions. Um, at this time, the committee has gotten comfortable with the language in 610 
and does it have any any continuing objection? Um, I think as we did with Mr. Christensen's consulting agreement, um, in part the response that we filed was to treat this as a bit of a status conference and continuing uh, education for the for the court and the consciousness of the case. Um, the the uh, the positive uh, is that in our conversations since we've been engaged by the committee, which has only been nine or ten days, have been very positive with the CRO and his counsel. Um, I think that the view is consistent with what we have set forth in our response that um, it's it's the type of case where uh, the CRO on behalf of the debtors and his counsel and the committee and its counsel and professionals really ought to be working uh, as much as a unitary body as possible to maximize recovery here. Uh, those conversations that we've had with with Mr. Miller and his counsel have been consistent with that approach. Um, we've made con considerable progress on a couple of issues already and are working through how to, to basically handle the workload in this case. Uh, at some length, our response really wanted to focus the court and, and get the understanding out there um, for everyone that the, the assets relative to the complexity of the issues uh, before this court and the magnitude of liabilities, the asset values are relatively small and limited. And we all want to be aware, and I think there's consistent agreement between the CRO and the committee that we need to work efficiently to utilize those funds um, and to maximize the efforts to recover. Uh, you know, hence the request for the committee that be advised of a, of a decision by Mr. Miller that he feels a need to borrow further under the dip and, and the notice period. Um, and we appreciate that. We uh, think we'll all work in that vein. Um, wanted to report that to the court and to say that at this point the committee is comfortable with the order and has no further objection. Happy to answer any questions Your Honor may have. Uh, thank you, Ms. Kornfeld. Um, I, I understand that concerns um, the committee has about pricing, including kind of the amplified concerns in the response, but I guess um, is it fair to say that at this point the committee agrees with Mr. Grilly's statement that this really is the only game in town and it's it's very expensive money, but it's uh, better than no money in, in conversion at Chapter 7 at this point? We, we agree that the funding is necessary, Your Honor, and um, that the pricing is expensive. Uh, we, we understand that the process was run, an extensive process, and we understand that this was the only available dip. Um, if, if there's a possible substitute down the road, we can all come back to the court with that in mind. We've had those discussions. Um, but for now, as I say, we have no objection to this order before the court. Okay. Uh, thank you, Mr. Kornfeld. I, uh, I understand. Um, is thank you. Uh, Mr. Baker or other counsel for Wilmington Savings Fund on the phone today? Yeah, I don't think I heard Mr. Baker calling. Well, I will accept um, the debtor's representation that the language in the proposed form of final order um, resolves uh, the Bloomington objection, and in any event, the objection will be overruled um, for failure to prosecute uh, in any event, um, which, just to be clear, is not overruling on the merits of any subsequent priming request, um, but will be overruled based upon the addition of that language to the proposed final order. Um, Mr. Kravitz. 
Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, and to be candid, probably we feel a lot better after the Unsecured Creditors Committee had spoken with the debtor because the silence to our client has been an issue. As we highlighted with the declaration, there's previous communications after the bankruptcy was filed without notifying us of the bankruptcy filing or the first day motions. Um, we reached out to debtor's counsel without receiving a response until we filed the formal, formal objection. When I spoke with debtor's counsel after filing the objection, we asked for details about the spending in this case. We had not received any follow-up regarding that. And our concern was a little bit of the tail wagging the dog here is that the budget that they provided for includes lending of about $4.6 million in the first three months of this case uh, through December. That's about 88% of the amount of the loan that would be taken prior to them requesting priming. Uh, since we have no schedules, there's been no 341 hearing, the debtor has not been communicative with our client. Um, we worried that there was going to be an argument that, well, you didn't appear and argue about the dip financing. We had to spend this. You've effectively conceded that. Uh, so, therefore, the issues regarding whether the earlier spending was appropriate prior to the priming motion are, are out the window. Uh, we understand from debtors' counsel that their understanding of the proposed language uh, reserves that. Uh, what they added was that the priming would only occur upon a subsequent motion uh, uh, with additional briefing, and then it says, and with all rights of senior lenders reserved. My understanding from them is that that includes objecting to what we don't know right now about the uh, spending and the reasonableness of the uh, initial advances on the, the dip financing. Uh, if that's the case, and with the Unsecured Creditors Committee's response, my client is a little bit more comfortable with this. We just don't want anything taken from this hearing today being used in advance of supporting the request for priming down, down the road at that subsequent hearing. Uh, obviously, we're a little panicked when the initial dip agreement seemed to say that they could get that financing on five days' notice. Uh, uh, that seems to have been removed here. Now it's on regular notice and uh, hearing period. I don't see anything in there attempting to shorten time. Um, with that change and with that understanding, I think that would resolve our objection, Your Honor. Okay. Uh, very good. Uh, thank you, Mr. Cratley, and I understand your concern is really that the debtors would argue, well, look at all the milk that's already out of the carton, and, and you were there before the milk got poured, so therefore you're kind of stuck commenting uh, about that, and you'd, you'd like to avoid that. It, that's exactly correct, Your Honor. Since we have no disclosure of what this $4.6 million is being taken up from, um, uh, we don't want that being used as the justification for the later priming. Okay. I understand. Um, Mr. Grulley. Thank you, Your Honor. For the record, Julian Grulley. Um, Your Honor, I, I think uh, what I'm hearing from Mr. Cratley is uh, Given the revisions to the dip order, uh, apparently the committee, uh, the statement that the committee is comfortable with the entry of the final dip order satisfies resident funding um, that at this point the order can be entered, I guess, I guess without uh, any further objections from them. But uh, I, I do absolutely, uh, to the extent necessary, I'm happy to clarify on the record that, that we would um, expect there to be, as the final order now requires, 
uh, a subsequent motion, and we would have to prove up our case in chief that the debtors under Section 364 of the Bankruptcy Code, um, if we did want to uh, unlock that additional million and a half dollars of priming availability. Uh, Your Honor, so I think with that, I'd request that the court uh, enter the order respectfully. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Williams. Just to kind of put a finer point on it, um, in the event that we have that subsequent hearing and the debtors would be making their case for priming, um, Redmond could make the argument if, if they wanted um, described on the record today, right, without an argument that they're stopped from doing that in terms of the need for the incremental priming component. Would that would that be fair? So we're not. Yes, uh, yes, Your Honor. You're absolutely. It strikes me as that uh, they would be up against the business judgment rule, but that's fine. Yes. Okay, but they wouldn't be. You wouldn't be arguing they're a stop or right. I might say it's wrong. I might say I, I disagree. That's not a good argument. You, you lose on the substance, but there wouldn't be a procedural kind of gotcha at that substance. I I agree, Your Honor. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Uh, would anyone else on the phone like to be heard regarding approval of the gift financing on a final basis? Uh, yes, Your Honor. This is Vadim Rubenstein of Loeb. Um, I just wanted uh, to thank uh, committee counsel and debtors counsel for working cooperatively with us. It's, uh, it's a two-way street in terms of uh, you know our our uh, participation, and uh, they've made they've really made our um, our lives a lot easier, um, and I, I think saved these saved a lot of money. Um, so I just wanted to commend uh, both parties. Very good. Uh Thank you, Mr. Rubenstein, and that's definitely um, good in every case, and I think particularly good in uh, this case, given um, the issues that the creditors committee raised in its response and that Mr. Kornfeld raised today. Um, the court is, uh, based upon the statements on the record today and the changes made to the final order, including the reservation of all parties' rights with regard to a subsequent priming request, the court is prepared to uh, grant this motion on a final basis. I have a handful of um, with minor nits I can give you. Um, I'm working off the red line that was filed um, at uh, docket number 124 and um, the pagination just on the bottom of the of the red line. So hopefully um, you're able to follow this. On page four, paragraph Romanet VI, uh, about midway through that paragraph, there's a line that starts in here is subsequent to this final and then orders missing the D. Fix that. Uh, at the very top of the page, um, I think it should be debtors plural rather than debtor singular apostrophe. Yes, Your Honor. Uh, page 13 of the red line, paragraph 1.1. Um, you can just put the bracketed uh, ECF docket reference number after the motion there. Um, I know it's early on, but when we're training the AFS, it will be helpful to just make sure it fully fits and ties back to the docket number. Page 14 of the red line, line two at the top of the page, subsequent to this final order expressly, and then granted missing the end, so it's yeah. rating. Page, page 
15 of the red line, line seven, there's another rating. So just stand there. Finally, uh, on the page 31 of the red line at the end, it looks like a period might have gotten stopped at the end of paragraph 6.9 at the end. I'm like, yeah. Okay. Otherwise, the changes all look good, look appropriate. Um, uh, with those changes, uh, interchanges, the court will um, grant the motion and enter the order. Um, so, I guess uh, that covers the motion set for hearing today. I wanted to ask, um, we have an omnibus hearing date scheduled Tuesday, uh, November 14th. Um, I don't think anything's been set. I have a good sense of the staff the debtors filed on Friday and, and um, the response and then the statement from the record today. So um, would you like to keep that 14th date on calendar or you can strike that um, consistent with Mr. Cornfell's comments? I'm happy to, you know, minimize the need for folks to get on the phone if we don't have any work to get done on the particular day. Yes, thank you, Your Honor. Yeah, we were looking internally at that date this morning, um, and from the debtor's perspective, we don't we don't believe we need it. We're not planning on setting anything uh, for an emergency hearing or anything like that. And nothing, as you know, is currently on the calendar for us. So, from our point of view, we absolutely could uh, could cancel that attendance conference and on the best date at this point. Okay, uh, we will. Um just do a minute entry uh, striking the November 14th date from the calendar. And then our next uh, currently scheduled hearing will be on Tuesday, November 28th. So after Thanksgiving. All right. Uh, anything further to cover today, uh, Ms. Lewis? No. Thank you, Your Honor, for your time. We, we really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Uh, thank you. Um, Ms. Kornfeld? Nothing here, Your Honor. Thank you. Uh, anyone else on the phone today? All right. Well, thank you all for uh, your time and your efforts. Um, you made this a uh, very easy uh, first day hearing and, and second day hearing. Um, we will keep an eye out for those orders and get them entered, and we will kind uh, to speak with everyone again on November 28th. Thank you, everyone. Have a great rest of the week. We're adjourned. Thank you.